Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. We'll be going over the Word tonight. Timothy's going to break open the Word of God to us. Anybody come hungry to hear some of the Lord's Word? It's a powerful book, and we're thankful tonight for the power of the Holy Ghost and the opportunity to hear the Word of God tonight. Everybody say, God bless Brother Timothy. <laughs> Thank you. You may be seated tonight. Well, um, good news from the Burks. They made it to Israel. And um, it only took forever, but they left Tuesday morning and uh, made it there this afternoon. So we're, we're thankful for them uh, getting, being able to get away. And um, they, uh, they actually, um, I don't think they knew this. They had no idea, but they went to one of my bucket, bla- bucket list places. Um, there was a, uh, a terminal at JFK Airport. It's the old TWA terminal. And it was built by, it was designed by... Um, Aero Saarinen, which is the guy that designed the arch, uh, famous architect. I've always wanted to go there, and they, you know, I'm sitting in my my house working uh, the other morning, and and they start sending me pictures of this place, and they're like, "Look at this cool place." I'm like, "Ah, I'm like I want to go there so bad." I'm like you don't even understand where you're at right now. But um, they're uh, they're having a great time so far. I'm sure they're probably exhausted, but. Everything seems to be going well. Well, um, I want to teach for a little bit tonight. I know uh, that I'm standing in the way of your watching the Blues win the Stanley Cup. So, uh, Brother Arnold said he would put it up on the screen from time to time. Oh, no. <laughs> put the score up there for you. Um, <laughs> um but uh, I want to talk for just a little bit tonight and uh, talk a little bit about overcoming uh, failure, about lifting our eyes up above our failures. Um, most Americans, this is from an article in Inc. Uh, magazine, it says most Americans are unhappy. Despite the abundance of material wealth, the idealism of democratic values and flashy new iPhones. Most people are suffering. And the brutal truth is that several industries, including the self, uh, the self industry, are profiting off of the emotional pain of people seeking quick fixes. See, part of being an American isn't just getting ill from living in a superficial society that values materialism, consumerism, and working way too many hours each week. Uh, Can I get an amen? Um, It's trying to buy your happiness one book or one pill at a time. People are brainwashed into thinking 
that reading self-help books or taking medication can evaporate their problems and help them find the happiness they so badly desire. Back in 2008, the self-help industry was valued at $11 billion each year. And if any of you have gone into a bookstore, uh, you will see that along with a history section, um, a cooking section, um, all these different genres of books, there is an entire section and a very large section dedicated to self-help, self-care, all of those kinds of things. Um, but it was uh, it was valued back in 2008. It was valued at 11 billion dollars each year. That's a lot of books and motivational speeches that failed to help the 40 million people suffering from anxiety, the 14.8 million suffering from depression, and the 7.7 million people suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. And in 2016 alone, the U.S. spent 446 billion dollars on medications almost half of the global market. That's the U.S. You know, we are the, uh, the um, this land of, uh, of promise, this land that, you know, where you can do anything you want to do and be anything you want to be. Um, but we are spending $446 billion just on medications, um, which is, in the grand scheme of things, our country alone is almost half of the global market in medication. Uh, these, these astonishing numbers point to one very important fact. The, unhealth, the unhappy people make companies a lot of money. If you think that uh, people really want to help you, maybe some have a you know, have a desire to help you with the books that they write and the things that they, the, the motivational speeches, but um, they make a lot more money when you struggle. They make a lot more uh, money when you are living a life uh, below your potential. Um, the, uh, the Bible talks about in Second uh, Corinthians 10, Three through five. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and everything that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought the disobedient or to the obedience of Christ the um, the world that God created is a great example of of the understanding and the hierarchy of uh, of balance and and things in nature God um, spoke the heavens above the earth God um, specifically elevated uh, and, and even through the words that he spoke, um, elevated the heavens above the earth or the things that are fleshly or the things um, that are of this world. Um, and all throughout Scripture, we see this trend of God constantly telling people to lift their eyes up, to lift their head up, to lift 
themselves above the things of this world. In uh, Genesis 13:11 through 18, it's um, around the time that Abraham and Lot were deciding on where they would um, where they would divide the land up and where they would live, where they would pitch their tents, and and Lot had set his tents facing Sodom and Gomorrah. He had set himself in a position facing one of the most carnal cities, uh, one of the most carnal places on the face of the earth. I think to this day, uh, I, I think Sodom and Gomorrah probably would give Las Vegas a run for its money. Um, this was a terrible place, a place of corruption, a place of, of just um, absolute... Uh, just sin everywhere and he had set himself up in a position facing that but then it says in Genesis 13:11, it says then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east and they separated themselves the one from the other and Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes. In the midst of um, the most just um, sinful of conditions surrounding or, or being nearby him, they were just talking about dividing the land and, and going their separate ways and separating themselves from each other. Um, the Lord spoke to him and said to lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art north, northward and southward and eastward and westward for all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise. Again, the word arise, lift up. Walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it. And I will give it unto thee. And then Abraham, or Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre which is Hebron, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. Not only did he lift his eyes from the land that he was he was looking at and, and all of this, Jesus asked him to uh, lift his eyes and he also asked him to arise, to lift himself up and to go. And and not only did he do that, but he also says that he removed his tent and came, so he physically did something um, about his situation to take himself to a place that God was promising unto him, that God was trying to take him to. In order for Abraham to see where God was wanting to take him, he had to lift up his eyes. How many of us, um, in our day-to-day struggles of life, constantly keep our eyes? on the things that are keeping us down. Constantly keep our eyes and our focus. I've um, myself personally just been going through a lot of, of situations where our cars uh, 
have just been failing and we're just having all kinds of issues and there's issues at the house with you know roof repairs that need to be done and all of these things and when i think with my own you know physical being my own thoughts my own um you know understanding of the way uh in which all of this is supposed to work together um it leaves me depressed it leaves me anxious it leaves me uh concerned nervous worried about what's going to happen next um when i focus my attention on all of these things that you know are are causing issues in life I, I, I totally remove God from the equation and I start thinking um I, I start thinking about all of the things. I think about the finances, I think when the next check is going to come. I think how much money is in the bank currently. I think how much all of this amounts to, how much um I'm gonna have to put maybe on a credit card to pay this off. All of my thought process is on the things in front of me. Everything um in my mind is focused on all of all of these things. But what does the Bible tell us to do? You know, just in that scripture we talked about um Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing it into captivity, captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We're not walking by the flesh. We're not walking after flesh. We're walking in the Spirit. But sometimes it's, it's hard for us because we get our, our heads down, we get our mind focused on the things of this earth and we forget to look up and see what God is trying to call us to. Abraham received his promise. Abraham was given that promise but was told to lift his eyes, to arise, to not only... Um, you know, this wasn't just a an elevated um, understanding in his mind, but it was also a physical action that he took. Actually picking up camp... Um, removing himself from where he was and taking himself to somewhere else to be able to fulfill the promise that God had called him into. Another example of lifting ourselves up and lifting our eyes off of the things of this world is found in Matthew 14, verses 25 through 33. Matthew 14, 25 through 33. Verse 25 says, And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. That's that's what happens when the Creator comes to earth. Amen. He is... uh, how How many here are experienced in walking on water? How many have been able to do it before? How many have done it with success? How many have tried it? I've seen some people uh, take off running off of a dock and start, you know, it looks like they're doing great, but then immediately they sink once gravity settles in. Um, and, but, but Jesus, the one who is high and lifted up, the one who is high above all things, was able to rise above uh, the earth was able to rise above the impossible, um, what we see with our fleshly eyes, what we see as uh, this is impossible 
uh, for man to do. He lifted himself up and he walked above the waters. He lifted himself up and started walking towards the disciples. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. Of course they were troubled because they were thinking in human terms. Uh, I, th- I think it would be pretty troubling to see, look out and see one of my good friends walking towards me on the water. I think I would, I would probably have nightmares if it ended there. <laughs> Um, but but they saw him and, and they were troubled saying it is a spirit and they cried out for fear you know our minds continually uh, just start focusing on what is right in front of us and not thinking about um, what is really happening in the spiritual world but straightway Jesus spoke unto them saying be of good cheer it is I be not afraid and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if thou, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. It doesn't say that he uh, walked out and sank. It says that he walked on the water. This impossible thing, this thing that brought fear into their minds because of of what was happening, he walked on the water and he said, um, uh, and, but, but when he saw the wind boisterous and he was afraid and began to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand. The actual physical um, uh, positioning of Peter was that of a sinking and a, a lower uh, physical state. But he, whenever he started to see all of the things around him, all the things um, that were surrounding him, this was a storm, and the and the winds and the waves were starting to uh, get get a little scary at times. He saw the physical, and immediately. He began to sink. He began to sink down and to uh, be, become lower as as the the earth. Or he would um, was sinking into the natural and away from the spiritual. How many times do, have have we done that? Where we we start out strong, we start out with a lot of faith, we start out with a lot of of um, excitement for what's going to happen next, and and then all of a sudden. We start seeing all of the things in the physical that start to surround us. I'll admit I've I've had um, times where God uh, spoke something to me, gave me a promise about something. Uh, you know, times where where maybe even it was a it was a financial blessing that was promised to me. And it, as soon as soon as you hear that, and you start thinking, well, yeah, I I need a financial blessing. And then it's spoken to you. You're going to receive a financial blessing. Immediately, that in my mind, I'm, I'm, it's set in my mind, and, and I'm, I'm in that spiritual place, and I'm thinking, yes, God is going to, to fulfill His promise. But then I get back home. I get back uh, into the natural realm. 
I get into the natural world and I start to see all of these things that happen. And, and just because God gave me that promise that the financial blessing was going to be there, it was going to be taken care of or whatever, I start to focus on all of the other things. All of the physical things that, that just are seemingly impossible. There's no way that God could ever take care of it. And that's what Peter began to do. Started out strong. Started out with faith. Started out, um, you know, initially he started out scared, fearful. But when he saw God and he saw that what was happening in the spiritual, he, he had faith and he stepped out on the water. And then immediately, once he saw the surroundings and the physical world, he began to sink. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, of a truth, thou art the Son of God. You know, sometimes in we, uh, in our human nature, we're made to doubt, we're made to fail, we're made to um, to have fear. Um, all of those things are meant to be a part of our lives. That's just who we are. It's who God created us to be naturally. We get emotional about things. We um, we think in terms of, uh, of you know, our our mind and and all, and all these factors and, and things. But Jesus did not even he did not even let him sink below the surface. He immediately reached out, but it required him to lift his eyes up. From whence cometh his help? Second Corinthians twelve nine says, For my strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is made perfect in weakness. When I'm weak, he is strong. When I um, am weak in, in body and I'm weak in spirit and all of these things, it, it magnifies God's strength. It magnifies um, God's ability and capabilities. When when we look at, if you were to put me or or place yourself next to God, and you start to look at um, all of the things that really uh, show your weaknesses. Have you ever um, have you ever maybe looked at someone someone and thought, man, they look strong. They're they're you know, big muscular guy or whatever, and then all of a sudden you see a football player stand next to him, and you're like, that guy looks puny <laughs> next to him. Um, sometimes, uh, sometimes when we, you know, when we compare and contrast, uh, when we put things side by side and put things into perspective, we really see the limitations of one and the abilities of another. And that's what happens when we place ourselves next to God and we, we look at ourselves and our lives in comparison to God. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. When we are weak, He's strong. When we show forth our weaknesses and we um, submit ourselves to God and we, and, and we admit that we are, uh, we, 
we struggle and we fail and all of these things, that's when God really shines. That's when God's, uh, uh, God can and take us to the next level. Let's take a step back and, uh, and look at Paul's life. It says in Scripture, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, um, committed them to prison. He was a persecutor of the church. Can I say today that it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made in the past. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made this week. All you have to do is, as Peter did, say, God, I'm sorry, I doubted you. I've made that mistake of doubting you. But God, save me. He, he cried out, save me. And he looked up to, when, to where his help comes from. And Jesus immediately reached down and grabbed him. Um, let's talk about our responsibility to lift one another. We have a responsibility as a church to restore one another. A responsibility to pick each other up when we fall. This isn't uh, something that um, God designed for us to do on our own. Yes, it's amazing that you have a great relationship with God. Yes, it's awesome that you uh, talk with God on a daily basis, that you read the Word, read the Word of God and all of these things. But if you do read the Word of God, then you'll understand that you can't do it on your own. That you can't just do it. It's not... It's not designed that way. God did not design His church that way. For us to be loners and to um, go off on our own and have our own relationship with God privately away from, from the church all the time. God desires for us to be in relationship with one another, to strengthen one another, to um, uh, to build each other up, to help each other through circumstances that we face. That is what God designed for the church to be. A place, uh, you know, we've heard this church mentioned as a, a lighthouse. It's a, um, it, it's a refuge. It's a place for people to come in that have been struggling and are, are feeling lonely and depressed and to be lifted up through relationships with the body of Christ. Keeping yourself surrounded by a community of believers creates a safety net which you should feel safe to fall into in moments of weakness. Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. We are there for each other knowing that others will be there for us. The um, it, it is the it is the model of the church. It is what God de, de, uh, desires for us to do. It's what God wants for us to do. So if you feel like in your mind that you want to be distant and pull away from the church, or you want to come less often, I'm telling you right now, um, it, it's a it's not a good place to be in to disconnect from what God is trying to do. Just as Pastor talked about last week, um, and Sister Burke saying, uh, let's keep that spirit of unity that we're feeling um, in God's presence because we do feel that we we experience that when we come to this altar together. There's times where um, you know 
one of us, we don't know what we're going through this week or what someone else is going through this week, and we come up and we say a word that just touches them, speaks to them, whatever it is, but that is the way that God designed for the church to be, that, that we, would, we would lift up one another, that we would elevate one another, elevate not only um, sometimes physically, sometimes we, we're actually, um, or, or financially, whatever it is, we're lifting someone up to a higher plane. Um, you know, it, it's sometimes as basic as, um, you know, job skills and things that we are trying to help each other move up to the next level in life. Just, um, you know, I, I get excited when I see people getting, um, being successful and getting a new job and all of those things. And, and so, yes, that is part of what the church is here for, is that we lift each other up, we meet each other's needs, whatever that is that we can do. Um, but we are also lifting each other's minds, elevating our thought process to a higher level. Think, getting our eyes off of the, the things of this world and getting our eyes on Jesus Christ. Let's talk about our responsibility to ourselves. Although bad choices and failure may define us now, what we do next will define us eternally. Philippians 3.14, uh, Paul says, I press toward the mark of the prize, uh, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I will lift up mine eyes. Psalm 121, 1-8 says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh mine help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. That's what happens when we lift our eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. We live by faith and not by sight. Even um, the, the structure of the world that God created is, um, is we are constantly um, hoping, living by faith, that one day we will be elevated to another level in heaven. It is a journey of faith, not of sight. We cannot see some things in the physical, but we know that God is going to come through and take us to where He says He will. Second Corinthians five through one or five verse one says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Romans 5:17 through 21 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. The most important decision you make is the one you make next. It can have a lasting impact 
on not only your life but on generations to come. The um, I may have mentioned this uh, this analogy once before. I don't remember. Um, but there is uh, something called acceptable tolerance for failure. Um, there is a there was a, an article written in the uh, uh, in the Pentecostal Herald. This is actually um, I think the first time I've, I've mentioned this since the passing of Tom Middleton. Um, he uh, he actually wrote this article. And then uh, I guess it's been a few months now he's passed away. Um, amazing man. Uh, he he has the kind of he had the kind of job that that uh, I think I would probably appreciate. Um, he dealt in acceptable tolerance. That's what what it was called. And that was the title of his article: "The Value of Pursuing the Standard." If you produce 10,000 pieces of product resulting in three product failure complaints due to incorrect measurements, you may still feel satisfied with your product. That's a failure rate of only 0.0003%. Pretty good. Yes, unless your product is parachutes. From this perspective, it's easy to see how measurement and accuracy are indeed a big deal. Um, from Gatorade bottles, Gatorade bottle, bottle molds to depleted uranium shells for the United States military, I must adhere to a standard and continually pursue the guidelines established by this standard. The standard provides the tolerance allowed to determine if the granite plate is good or bad. He would, um, he would work on these granite plates that they would use to uh, make casts and molds for uh, different products or whatever, different product um, uh, structures. And just like you said here, Gatorade bottles all the way to uranium shells for the military. But he would um, try to get the granite plates to where they were, they were at an acceptable level of tolerance, um, basically to near perfection um, so that uh, they could make these products without them failing. According to this standard, I am allowed 70, 70 millionths of one inch to be accurate on the surface flatness for an immediate grade uh, 24 by 36 inch plate. To give perspective, a human hair is approximately three thousandths of one inch in diameter. If you split one hair into 50 equal pieces in exact uh, and extract one piece of the hair, this is the acceptable tolerance. I try for a goal of 20 millionths per inch. Why would I try to attain a flatness beyond the accepted 70 millionths of an inch? To assure the finished product will be safely within the standard specifications with allowance for some wear and tear throughout the year until I return to check the plate again. What is an acceptable tolerance for failure? I think only God is the judge and can say whether or not um, we are living a life uh, that is acceptable. But we continue to reach above the standard. 
God's plan will require sacrifice and greater commitment. The importance of pursuing a higher standard is that the stakes are so high. The choice is heaven or hell. We don't have the leisure of of getting it wrong. It's important that we press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. That is what God desires for us to do. The the most important decision that you will make is the one that you make next. If you failed today, if you failed this week, if you've made a mistake, whatever it was, whatever you did, whatever um, doubt you had in God, whatever um, fear that you had, whatever um, just you know, bad thought in your mind, whatever it was, it's important that today we not we don't just let that define us and we don't let that be our life and and that be what people know of us or what God knows of us but it's important that we reach beyond that and we go above it and we lift our eyes up above the things of this world and start focusing on what God desires for us 1 Timothy 1 15-16 says this is a faithful saying and worthy of all accept uh, accept I think I just botched that. That Christ Jesus came into this world to have sinners of whom I am chief, or to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. You can never outsin God's grace. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter where you've been, the mistakes you've made. You can never outsin God's grace. Joshua 24:15 says, "And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served, they were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. You know, we have a choice today. We have a choice to keep our eyes focused on the things of this world or to lift our eyes up and to focus on God. And what He desires for us. Are you feeling stuck where you're at right now? Are you feeling uh, in a vicious cycle today? You feel like your life is just spinning its wheels, not really getting anywhere, not doing anything that you desire. Every every promise you ever had is uh, you're starting to abandon hope because you feel like you'll never get there, you'll never make it. Lift your eyes up, man. Lift your eyes to Jesus Christ because He is the source today. Can we stand all over this place and and lift our hands, lift our eyes, lift our voices unto Jesus Christ. Jesus God, we thank You.